0: So this pretty surprising news just dropped where apparently Christian Bale might end up in the MCU. I think he's in talks right now. Uh, but there is talk of Christian Bale being in Thor Love and Thunder. Have you heard about this?
1: I have. I did see the headlines for it. And it's uh, it is it excites me a lot to see that Disney is just like, hey, you're a movie star. Come on. Work for us. Ha ha. Ha ha. Man, that... <laughs>
0: The mouse will bring in anybody i i don't know man i'm kind of surprised to see somebody like him who i think is is more gritty and emotional and kind of does more grounded uh i think roles go for something like this where i mean i mean i think if you want to be in a, in a taiko atiti movie you know you're gonna have fun and it's gonna be a little weird it just i don't know i don't know who he's gonna be and I really don't know that the internet has any idea either because I don't think anybody knows any of the Thor supporting characters that have not been in a movie so far.
1: No. I, I have no idea. And as someone who doesn't keep up with the comic book universe, I'm genuinely surprised I'm genuinely surprised they grabbed him and I I'm curious as to see what or who he's gonna play.
0: Yeah, so there's there's three names that I think I don't know, and I have very limited speculation here, but three names that I, I could maybe see him being. Um, the first, which is, I think, getting tossed around the most, being Beta Ray Bill, which is basically Horse Thor. Um, but he's a beta, John.
1: <laughs> he's a Christian beta. Bale is an alpha, please. Let's be honest. Oh, you're
0: so right. Yeah, so Horse Thor, uh, potentially. But, I mean, there's already going to be Jane Foster's uh, Mighty Thor... So, do we need three different Thors rolling around? But maybe. speaking of, I mean, maybe there's going to be a lot of Thor. So, the next name that I think maybe would be if he could potentially play Donald Blake, who is a doctor in the MCU. He was already mentioned by Jane as being an ex. Uh, he was he was that quick little cameo or the quick little uh, nod in the Easter egg uh, when in the first Thor movie. Uh, Thor holds up his ID that he's he's he got from Jane, and it's the name is Donald Blake. Uh, but in the comics, he's Thor's human persona before he gets hold of the hammer. What might be kind of cool about that is if they go full Jane Foster, Mighty Thor. In the comics, she's got breast cancer, and when she uh, she's obviously getting treated for it and and recovering, and but when she takes hold of uh, Thor's hammer and, and becomes Thor her chemo basically goes away and stops working and the breast cancer spreads and so every time she becomes thor she gets closer and closer to death Oof. which i mean which might bring it might be that kind of story that entices christian bale uh where it's a little bit more uh dark a little bit more intimate and emotional uh but i don't know after seeing ragnarok i don't know what kind of direction Taika atiti is going to go in from there or how dark he wants to get with this. Well, sequel. I,
1: I just don't. I don't see the mouse throwing money at Christian Bale to play like this side character. I like you're gonna give Christian Bale. You gotta get if you're gonna give Christian Bale a a role in this movie. It's gotta be something like I would think Beta Ray Bill as being like another Thor. Um, it can't it can't be just some like doctor. Uh, he he's a fantastic actor and. I am really excited to see this type of... This type of actor. This one in the craft. Someone who's hot right now as far as like commodities to have in movies. He's been in a, a wonderful amount of films. He's done superhero before. So is this role really surprising, like you said? Like, I'm surprised I got this. I'm not 100% surprised. But I, I'm intrigued. Because this is the first person of the craft... To really enter the MCU, although you could say Anthony Hopkins, but not in a leading role uh, by any means. So, yeah, I, my money's on Beta Ray Bill.
0: Yeah, and the, so there's one more name that I don't think has really gotten tossed around much, and I'd be really interested to see how they if they did this. Um, but there's a character that just came out in the comics recently uh, called Gore the God Butcher, and his whole character he's from this alien race he was basically like a normal type of person um that prayed to the gods when his people basically were becoming like i don't know like wiped out slowly basically uh he prayed to the gods every day for their help and obviously nothing ever came of it um and so eventually after seeing enough of his people die out he said if i ever get into a position of power I'm going to go and just wipe out all the gods for failing us. And eventually um, he got this basically all powerful sword uh, that has a whole other history in the comics and, and whole other direction with symbiotes anyways. Mm. um, So once he got this sword, he became power powerful enough to go out and just kill all the gods. And so he just went around slowly knocking them out one by one. And it took Thor. It took uh, Jane Foster's character um, a bunch of other people uh, to go and just tag team him basically and knock him out. So he could go full villain in this. And Gore, I think, would be a really interesting character to add a little bit more human esque, like uh, grounding him a little bit more, I guess, and and having this really dark and depressing
1: backstory. I changed. I changed my mind. My money's on Gore. <laughs> my money. My money is on Gore. Give me. Give me villain Christian Bale. Oh God, that's I what we it want. So it's hard. what we need so badly. His villain Christian Bale. No, get go back up. Make him Galactus. I don't care. <laughs> just go. Just go full.
0: Just crazy with it. Make him Galactus.
1: Make him Galactus. Um, and then make Joaquin Phoenix. I don't know what Galactus' sidekick is. The I Silver don't. Surfer. Sure. Let's make let's make all these method actors <laughs> let's make all these method actors the villains and watch them do terrible things on set to people. Oh my gosh. Vaporize. <laughs> <laughs> Alright everyone, welcome to the Summon Up Podcast. This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever the heck we want. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. I am joined by my good friend John, and I'm Chris, and we are your co-hosts for the day. John, how are you doing?
0: Man, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Chris?
1: Man, uh, last night was the national championship, uh, and uh, it went as much as I predicted for college football, lsu uh won and some would say dominated and uh yeah i know you do not sport but uh it was nice to see the sec win
0: yeah all i heard from people all around me was that lsu won and that's all i needed to hear
1: that's all i needed to hear that's, that's that contest. would that would be the important news in the week if not overshadowed, overshowered, overshowered <laughs> overshadowed you know by the oscars their Ooh. nominations were put out, and that's what we're going to be talking about on today's show. So we're going to be talking about these nominations and our picks. Uh, so we'll be breaking down the, cat- the major categories, not all of them, uh, but the categories that we find are something to talk about and give our thoughts. And uh, just as a preface, we have not seen all the movies on these lists. Uh, we do not know all the actresses or actors that are up for these awards, but, uh, we are going to discuss and just give what we think, uh, from the filthy casual side of things. I'm going to judge these movies as harshly as I
0: would if I had seen them when in reality I've only seen two.
1: Now you're a real critic. Yep. You've done it. (laughs) Speculation. But, uh, just a few... Uh, a little bit of some housekeeping on this topic. Uh, this is the 92nd Academy Awards taking place on February 9th. And also keep in mind that the voting has already occurred. So, yeah, just by them announcing it, people aren't going to change their minds. It's already out there. So, And then there is no host again. Oh, what a bummer. No monologue like Ricky Gervais. We are truly missing out on potential.
0: Oh, so many potential memes.
1: Yes. And all gone. And then Joker is leading the nomination pack with 11 nominations. Yeah, and, and so one thing I found really interesting
0: was that, and just going back and doing a little research and watching other uh, podcasts about this, um, so since 2000, the majority of the films that have uh, walked in with the most nominations have not won Best Picture. Because you would think if, if it's getting nominated so many times and has so much support behind it, it's probably an overall overall pretty great film. Um, so to see, I mean, probably seventy five percent of the movies since two thousand not actually win Best Picture, which is really interesting to me.
1: Yeah, I, it is interesting. But Joker might be leading the nomination pack, and we'll get to it later. But uh, I am, I do not think it'll win Best Picture.
0: I, I'm no, already in the not.
1: corner of the of the majority of films are not getting it that are have the most nominations. So we'll start with, um, this isn't really a major category, but because you and I love music, um, being classically trained in certain music or certain instruments, uh, we're going to talk about the best original score. And we're also going to talk about what was nominated from the, and uh, what won at the Golden Globes, rather. Uh, Joker won best original score at the Golden Globes. And uh, let's go with our picks right here. And I'll start off. Uh, out Out of the nominees, which is Joker, Little Woman, Marriage Story, 1917, and Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, I picked 1917. And this is a movie I saw last week, and even though I love John Williams, I have to say, this score made me, like, I was shook after this movie. And it really does come down to the score. Uh, doing such an incredible job of connecting you to this movie. And at the same time, for those of you who have not seen 1917, there is a scene, no spoilers, there is one scene where the music grips you. And it is is—it is the closest thing to uh, the finale of an orchestral piece that you can get to. For those of you who know uh, music, uh and for those of you who have seen this movie, you know what mo- what scene I am talking about, where you are just overcome with horns and just the beauty of this score taken in the landscape that it is shot at the time of day it is. It is fantastic. And I think that scene alone steals this category. I mean, that's that's a pretty great description. And I mean, just in hearing you talk about it, I,
0: I cannot wait to find some time to watch this movie.
1: Yes, if you're going to see this movie, see it for this scene alone because it is a cinematic uh, masterpiece of a scene. So I guess just to go ahead and jump into my pick. Um, I mean,
0: I don't know if this is if this is just like the the dweeb kind of pick, but I'm going to go ahead and say Skywalker is going to win. Uh, just I mean, so John Williams is up for his 50 second nomination, breaking his own record, which is crazy to me. He's been in the game this long. <laughs> And he's gotten that he's gotten nominated that many times. Um, and to be honest, man, I think I think with the name like John Williams and the, the the history and the weight that comes with that, I think he's gonna win because of name recognition and and just the feeling of when you hear the name john williams all of the movies that you've connected with since you were a child uh just come rushing back just like with jaws with all the star wars obviously with indiana jones these major players i i think that's going to help influence the decision a bit um so yeah my my pick is star wars
1: yeah we'll have to see how hollywood picks in that and no discredit to john williams um He is a fantastic composer and has been a huge influence in my life and yours as well. So uh, I do understand that pick very much. If I was to give a number two, it probably would be Rise of Skywalker, despite what the Golden Globes say. Yeah. Despite them. The next category, Best Cinematography. of the nominees, The Irishman Joker, The Lighthouse 1917 and once upon a time in hollywood john who you got for this i'm gonna go ahead and say 1917 uh i mean
0: because when you think cinematography you think the way a film is shot the way it all comes together and just the craft of it and because of that i'm gonna i'm gonna say 1917 because of its uh one-shot style um and being i mean the fact that to take a whole feature-length film and to weave it together in that way, I think, takes an incredible amount of skill to begin with. But then, uh, with all the hype that this film has had behind it, with what criti- critics and fans are saying... What I have um, said about it. Specifically, what you have <laughs> said about it. I mean, I, I think that it's it's really going to set itself apart from the pack. And you and you look at its competitors where... Uh, I mean, The Irishman, there's a lot of good things behind it. Martin Scorsese is a great, great director. Joker, I think cinematography wise, it's not really that special. Uh, I think it's a good film, but to be to win over all of these other films, I think would be a stretch for that. Um, same thing with The Lighthouse.
1: I and think The Lighthouse a- is probably second in this category as far as like what you've described. I think Lighthouse is the one that comes runner up to 1917. I don't know, because
0: then then I've read things about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and to see the things that Quentin Tarantino has done with his movies and the way that he's able to take any style and tweak it and craft it into his own and reproduce it in such an authentic way. Um, Like I heard an interview about uh, just breaking down the interview that he does between um, Brad Pitt and Leo DiCaprio and the interviewer, and in the original style from that time period, they would... Uh, Set up one camera, aim it at the interviewer, record all of the questions, stop, flip the camera, go to the actors or the interviewee, and basically read off the questions and record their answers. And seeing that it cut together the way it is, it completely reproduces that authentic style. Um, So I think he's got a really strong craft behind his films, um, which... I don't, just in the way that films are made, at least, I think he his probably comes closest to what 1917 does um, as a craft, at least.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, from Once Upon a Time with Quentin Tarantino, most of the cinematography, to me, as far as how everything is shot, is kind of similar. But I do see there was that one shot in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I was very impressed by, Was the was when they were filming a scene within this movie. And you see the how the camera pans um, on Leo's face when he's talking to the lead actor in this movie. And then they screw up. So the, so the camera has to roll back. Like it has to move around in the shot to where the line, where his speaking lines uh, match with the camera. And it was really cool to see that. So I, I will give you that like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood coming probably second. For me, I would think Lighthouse. But my overall pick here for number one uh, to steal this category is 1917 with Roger Deakins taking it home. Uh, fantastic. The one-shot style you mentioned is part of that, but it is a flavor of cinematography I am not used to, and I want more of it. It, uh, it was spectacular. Uh, the shots that they had done at night and even during the day and how they how they shot it they they said like when they were filming and they have to do the one shot like they they would have to the weather would change like every hour so if there it's cloudy and it starts to brighten up they have to either hurry up with the shot or they have to wait till it becomes cloudy again to to do it again Jeez. which is insane filming wise but uh and Roger Deakins has already won for the same award uh, for Blade Runner 2049. So I think you and I are very much in agreement. It is going to 1917, as it should.
0: Yes. The next category here, Mm -hmm. uh, we've got Best Original Screenplay. So what was your pick for that category?
1: So my pick for this goes against what the Golden Globes uh, uh, said. Uh, Golden Globe said, "Once upon a time, Hollywood." I am going against that. I am choosing uh, *Knives Out*. The story never slows down. It's well crafted, and Ryan Johnson does a great job with misdirection and setup. Uh, I think, um, even though I give like *The Last Jedi* a lot of critic from my mind as a huge Star Wars fan, uh, Ryan Johnson, wow the way it, it, whoever he had on his uh team to make this story it is so well crafted and i really appreciate it even though i really did like once upon a time in hollywood and there are some elements of it that are very original i do think knives out is the it, we have not seen a murder mystery done so well in a while uh <laughs> Better than the murder on the Orient Express or whatever that was. A terrible movie. This, this was a thriller uh, that I was not expecting. And I heard so many great things about it, and it's true. So that's why I'm saying it, it, it's taking away from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because we haven't seen this in a long time. Whereas with Quentin Tarantino, you know what you're going to get. And you we've seen this kind of flavor before so and just because we haven't mentioned it
0: and i want to quickly run through them so the the nominees for this category have been knives out marriage story 1917 once upon a time in hollywood and the south korean film parasite um so my pick i'm gonna have to go with once upon a time in hollywood uh it, it won at the golden globes i think it's got some momentum from that and, I mean, honestly, I think Hollywood likes to kind of pat itself on the back quite a bit. Mm, so yeah. when, you have a, when you have a movie about them and kind of this alt-history setting from Quentin Tarantino, who already carries so much weight with his own name, I think, I don't know, man, I, I could see it winning. I mean, so the problem is, like, so many of these movies are already so great, and there's not really any... And there's not anybody in any of these categories, really, that if they won, I would be upset by.
1: Yeah, I was just surprised that the Golden Globes didn't choose Parasite. I would think Parasite would be in number two, but I guess you're right. They do want to pat themselves on the back.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, honestly, it could go any way. Uh, I mean, Netflix is bringing some strong contenders with The Two Popes, with the Marriage Story, with a few of their other—oh, The Irishman, obviously— I think they are the, the studio that had the most nominations. Uh, when you And when you think about it, a couple of years ago, they were, people were asking, like, how can Netflix possibly compete with all these major studios at the Oscars? And here they are, bringing home the most nominations so far.
1: So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we will have to see how it goes. It's just one of those things that was surprising for me um, with Parasite. But yeah, I, I would... Golden Glows mostly predicts it, so your pick is much more sound than mine. I just really enjoyed Knives Out for what it was, and I really did like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, it was one of my top movies of, the, of last year, uh, but as far as screenplay, eh, it's just taking parts of history and just rewriting it, which could be seen as super original, but in my eyes, no. But then again, that's why I'm not part of the Academy. Yeah. <laughs> That Uh, reason alone. (laughs) The reason alone. But the next category uh, changes it. We're going to Best Adapted Screenplay. And so of the nominees, there's the Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Woman, and the two popes. And Golden Globes did not have a category for this, so there is no precedent yet. But as far as you, John, what did you pick? So to be honest,
0: I'm just going with the underdog. I I think Jojo Rabbit's going to win it. Mm. i mean i could be completely wrong but i i think this movie is gaining enough traction slowly uh to be a real contender and i think it's a really great story to begin with um that kind of puts i don't want to say like a fun spin on that time period because there's no real way to put a fun spin on that fun spin but it I, i think it makes it more accessible and introduce it introduces that whole of like everything that happened then in a new way uh, and in a much more connectable way uh so i
1: like i said i think i'm just going with the underdog i'm gonna pick jojo rabbit yeah um (laughs) i was just uh, when you said in a fun way in my mind instantly like went to this one scene where i started crying because it was so sad and i was just like that's not fun (laughs) (laughs) wait did you see jojo rabbit by any chance no, I have not. Oh. oh, it hurts. I know. Judge Rabbit was so good. But uh, I am going to go with the Irishman on this just because I think Hollywood loves Martin Scorsese. Uh, so, and that's the only reason I'm giving. is They're just like, oh, thank you for taking down Marvel. Claps hands. You know, they'll never be in our categories. Marvel sucks. You are our champion. So I'll take the Irishman on this. That's fair. It's as simple as I'll make it.
0: (laughs) Well, then going on to the next category, we've got Best Supporting Actress and uh, Laura Dern won for Marriage Story at the Golden Globes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the contenders are Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell, Laura Dern for Marriage Story, uh, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh for Little Women, and Margot Robbie for Bombshell. So who
1: who do you think is going to take it? So, um I have not seen all these movies and uh I did see I did see Jojo Rabbit. That's the only movie I saw on this list. But um I have seen clips of Lord Dern in Marriage Story and I'm actually going to sit down and watch it on Netflix uh yes. within the next week uh so I can get better so I could actually watch it cuz I heard it's so good. I heard uh Adam Driver is amazing and Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson is in that movie too. And uh, Lauren Dern's character is supposed to be really good. And so I'm going to have to go with the Golden Globes pick on this as Lauren Dern. Uh, Even though I did see Jojo Rabbit and everyone loves Scarlett Johansson, it was a great performance, a fantastic performance, but I don't think it's it's one that is deserving of Best Supporting Actress. Uh, She does not get a lot of screen time. Enough to be impactful, like brad pitt is as the best supporting male actor in in a movie that's yeah. my pick what's your pick
0: i mean i'm going to go with the same thing uh laura dern for marriage story uh to be honest i haven't seen any of the movies in this category so i can't really judge it that well but uh i mean just knowing her knowing the things that people have been saying about that movie as a whole um and then looking at the contenders i i think kathy bates is really incredible as an actress um, but I don't know about the Clint Eastwood movie as a whole. Um, Controversials, That's all we know. Yeah, I, I mean honestly, like the rest of these movies that have come out are so good. Like I, like I said, like it could really go to anybody, and I think it would
1: be justified. But I, I think my gut says Laura Dern. Yeah, Laura Dern does it. Um, might do it again. The fantastic Laura Dern. No purple hair. No purple hair. That's huh. probably for the best. Probably for the best. Okay, best supporting actor uh, for this category. uh, Brad Pitt won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at the Golden Globes. And of the nominees, you have Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes, Al Pacino for The Irishman, Joe Pesci for The Irishman, and Brad Pitt in Once Once Upon a Time in Hollywood And uh, John, I'll ask you, what is your pick for this category? So I think Brad Pitt is going to take it. And I'll tell you why. Because
0: Al Pacino and Joe Pesci are both incredible. But I think because they're both coming from the same movie, it's going to split the voters. And I don't know that The Two Popes has enough traction for this category. Um, And I don't... I think Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks could take it for a beautiful day in the neighborhood, but I think for what that movie was, I think Brad Pitt's going to have to take it home. Um, I, otherwise, I think, I think uh, either Al Pacino or Joe Pesci could have taken it if it was just one of them being nominated. But I think with both of them, it, it kind of uh, muddies the water a bit.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I feel you on that one. Um, how because when we were when we were going over this. I literally could not decide between Al Pacino and Joe Pesci. I wanted to choose one of those two. But ultimately, because of that, I went with Brad Pitt. Exactly.
0: And I think the rest of the voters are going to do the same.
1: Yeah, like, it was so hard to choose between the two. I really wanted... I really wanted to pick Joe Pesci, but you brought up the good point that it's probably going to split the votes because people, you know, Hollywood will be like, Martin Scorsese, our hero. (laughs) But I... I do think Brad Pitt will win it, but I want Joe Pesci to win. That's fair. Just if I'm being honest.
0: And see you there again. Like anybody could win it and not everybody would be mad. And I think that just says a lot about, uh, the types of movies being made this year and the people that are making them. There's a lot of really good contenders out there.
1: Yeah. I, I would very much, uh, I would agree with you on that. Yeah. So
0: then the next category is best director. Um, mm. uh, Sam Mendes for 1917 already took it home for the Golden Globes. But the contenders in this one are The Irishman, Martin Scorsese, uh, Joker, Todd Phillips. 1917 has uh, Sam Mendes, obviously. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino. And uh, Parasite, Bong Joon-ho is nice. uh, that director. Good job. Thank you. I've heard it a bunch from other videos, so oh. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> don't you judge me. Uh so, who do you think is going to go ahead and take it?
1: Uh, my pick goes to Sam Mendes uh, with nineteen seventeen. Uh, Sam Mendes—he uh, keeps on refining and keeps on getting his style uh, perfected. And he, the way he directed this movie, was incredibly honest and frightening, and it—it felt—it felt real. And that is what mov- movies are all about, telling a story. And the way he told this story was, uh, I think, a great, uh, a great tribute uh, that he had done. He, and at the end of the movie, you'll see um, who he tributes this to. I won't really spoil that. I don't think it should be spoiled because it has a lot of people connect with it in a certain way. Um, why he wrote this story uh, and did this movie. I love the way uh, him and Roger Deakins commanded the actors and um, had the actors to give their performances in this movie. There were there were things that I saw actors doing that you didn't see in war movies like uh, Saving Private Ryan, uh, like the like Band of Brothers, like uh, the Pacific, uh, th- just going down the line. There, there were just sh- shots of people. No, I'll just say it right now. There are shots of people like hysterically crying, not getting to words, and it, it hits you in the heart, man. I, I think Sam Mendes, hands down, deserves this. So, what's, uh, what's your choice for this? Oh, man, you know,
0: I was gonna say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but just after hearing everything that you've been <laughs> saying about it, <laughs> you have convinced me. No. I'm gonna- I'm gonna. I got you. I got you to switch. I'm gonna jump on the bandwagon and I'm gonna say
1: 1917. If you've been listening to this podcast and you haven't thought maybe I should see 1917, change your mind and make it a definitely.
0: You know, and that brings us to a great segment. Uh, today's sponsor is 1917.
1: Yes, Sam Mendes dishing out the big money for us. Yes, uh, 1917 sponsored this podcast. Not really. Man, but if we had the Sam Mendes money, we wouldn't have to do this. Um. <laughs> uh, if we had the Sam Mendes money and it was all about just promoting 1917, I would jump on that bandwagon so quick. Yep. Sign me up. Anyways. <laughs> so next category is
0: uh, Best Actress and Renee Zellweger uh, for Judy took that home for the Golden Globes. Um why don't you go ahead and tell us who uh, the contenders are in this
1: category? You just don't want to say the first one.
0: Man, how, you know him so well.
1: <laughs> uh, Cynthia Erivo you know, for Harriet. Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. Uh, Marriage Story. Sayor C. Ronan nope. for Little Woman. Am I wrong?
0: Yep. Saoirse. Saoirse? Saoirse.
1: Saoirse. Man, you know what? I'm allowed... You know, I got one wrong. There we go. You know... Crucify me. Charlize Theron for uh, Bombshell, and then Renee Zellweger for Judy. And, uh, uh... I'll just go ahead and just say what my pick was, because it's a cop-out. Once again, I did not see all these movies, but I'm going to take Renee Zellweger with Judy because that is what The Golden Globes is going with. And I'm gonna finger-gun my way all the way with The Golden Globes on this one. I mean, look, man, that's that's not a bad answer. <laughs> yeah. She's already a winner, so yeah, that's justified. Well, Charlize Theron is or, has already... Uh, actually, did she win for her role in Monster? I don't remember off the top of my head. Neither but... do I, but I know Monster did... Monster did win Best Director for Patty Jenkins, I think. Sure. When it came out. Charlize Theron is amazing, so uh, yeah. So that brings me to my
0: pick, uh, which happens to be Charlize Theron for Bombshell, um, I've I've seen some clips from it. I've seen some interviews that she's done. And just in kind of seeing what she's done to this role. I mean, like she really transformed into Meg and Kelly. And it's crazy to mm-hmm. see, um, just to compare the two and how, how realistic she was for this. And honestly, I mean, in today's political climate, I think it's it was the right movie to come out at the right time. I think it tells the right story. And it was a really important message to get out there. Um, and so for that reason, it just kind of the perfect storm of everything coming together. I think she's going to take it.
1: Yeah. I, I think you have a good pick in Charlize Theron. Uh, she's fantastic. Also known as Mama Spicy in uh, Hot Ones. Oh my gosh. And I think your kids <laughs> call her Mama Spicy is what it is from that interview. She's great. Oh, that's so good. Now uh, the next category is for best actor with... Uh, Joaquin Phoenix winning for Joker uh, at the Golden Globes And the nominees are Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon Upon a Time in Hollywood I'm always tripping over that, I don't know why It's a long title It is a long title (laughs) Come on, Quentin, help me out Adam Driver in Marriage Story Joaquin Phoenix in Joker And then Jonathan Price in The Two Popes And uh, I think I can go ahead and say it. Both you and I picked Joaquin Phoenix in this one. We did. um, But I want to ask you a question Mm -hmm. that I don't know
0: how controversial this might be. So obviously Joaquin Phoenix did a great job in this movie. But if we didn't have the Nolan trilogy or Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker, do you think this movie would still have the same kind of cultural significance that it did and do you think that Phoenix's performance would be so widely revered as it is? Or do you think it's just riding coattails from Heath Ledger?
1: <sighs> That's a really interesting question. I think that uh, I think this movie would have culture significance because it is taking... Even though it's trying to be more realistic than the comic books kind of like the Nolan trilogy did and even though it's kind of a copycat of a taxi driver I would say that the impact of the message about mental health and how Joaquin Phoenix portrayed it is really kind of its own thing uh regardless if Heath Ledger played uh the Joker or didn't play the Joker if the Nolan trilogy happened or if it didn't happen uh, I do think that Joaquin Phoenix would still be in this uh, prestigious spot. I still think he would get nominated for his role uh, because you got to think Jared Leto played Joker in Suicide Squad and it was such an awful showing that this complete going from like a two out of 10 to a 10 on an actor and performance scale is is worthy of getting the nominee. And, uh, I, you know, Phoenix is a fantastic actor. I, like, I don't think anybody can go ahead and discredit him for that. He's amazing. And I, I don't want it to be that the Nolan trilogy does take away from it. I hope no one's thinking that because watching the movie is a great character study. And it's kind of like Taxi Driver. Once again, copycat. But anyone who's saying that, I hope they saw the movie and they're not just critiquing playing armchair uh, quarterback on this oh yeah no i'd agree that that's
0: kind of the discussion i wanted to get from that question um i mean i think honestly i think that if we didn't have heath ledger's performance we probably would be saying joaquin phoenix is like the penultimate joker and he is kind of the example that i think we're going to have going forward
1: yeah i uh, well, well, let me ask you this. Who is, uh, who, of the two who played, uh, between Joaquin and uh, Heath Ledger, who do you think is the, who is your favorite Joker? <sighs> Not saying I, who's the better actor, who's the better Joker, just who who's your favorite? I would have to still go with Heath Ledger.
0: Sim- okay, so simply because um i like i do believe that you can tell a joker story without batman but i think that it amplifies the performance to have that batman and joker playing off of each other in the way that they did um and in just the way that um uh ledger like fully became that character i think in a way and really like i did to be honest man like when i when i saw it for the first time i did not recognize heath ledger at all i had no idea who that was And he just fully became this other person. I still Um, can't
1: recognize him in that movie. No, it's crazy,
0: man. His voice changed. His appearance changed. Everything changed. And he really committed to it. And I I think in just the way that he personified chaos, but there were so many subtleties to the character and and so many things that you could theorize about his backstory, about who he was. Uh, And the fact that we're still talking about it so many years later, I think, is a really great indicator about it.
1: Yeah, I would I would have to agree with you and I I would also take Heath Ledger in this just because um man, Joaquin's descent into chaos is so oh, it's so real and visceral. Like it, it, there are parts of the movie where it was just like cringing and I hate cringe material. I really do. And that, and that's what I'm still in the theater watching this movie. It was a good movie and his performance was really really good. Obviously, he's getting nominated, but it's the something about just meeting a character who's just chaotic in nature and just doing it not for money not for goals just to see chaos that was more compelling for me looking at Heath Ledger it was definitely more of a force of evil than a force of uh descent into evil
0: yeah more of like afflicted by his environment than who he was at the core so I guess the last category here we're going to talk about is Best mm-hmm. Picture and uh 1917 won uh for uh, one at the Golden Globes
1: for so the, a so 1917 won as the drama best oh, picture right, in a right. drama in the Golden Globes and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won uh for a musical or comedy. That's best right. picture. Thanks yeah. for the clarification. It, it's such a weird thing that they do but yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So the contenders in this category are Ford v. Ferrari, uh, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Um, Which So one thing that I found interesting, too, was Parasite was... um, So it's obviously an international film, and this is the first time that an international film has been nominated for the second consecutive year in a row for best picture at the oscars mm-hmm. um, which i think it, it just says a lot about the the types of movies that people are are seeking out now and how we're kind of growing as a society and and letting all these other influences come in and um uh i i, I don't know i just thought that was really cool and I, i'm looking forward to seeing more kind of diversity like that in the future so yeah it
1: is, it is a really cool fact to see that more international films are entering this uh, this category, which um, what is it? There's like nine nominees, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine nominees and the max is supposed to be 10. so we got a, a really stacked year for 2019 when you think about best Picture and I would agree I think this is a great year for films. yeah, so so who who do you think is gonna take best Picture? uh before we hear my pick uh let's hear from our sponsor uh 1917 sponsoring the <laughs> podcast today uh who actually ironically happens to be my pick yes uh 1917 i loved and to give some background i loved ford versus ferrari and i loved jojo rabbit if you want to ask me who i thought my uh, my nominee for best picture would have been at the end of december i would have easily said Ford versus ford versus ferrari However, after seeing 1917, um, man, easily the best picture, and, uh, and it's because it's better than the sum of its parts, and its parts are pretty damn good. You talk about the score, you talk about the cinematography, the screenplay, and the actors that they get to portray certain emotions, to watch the feet Of a stylistic one shot in a movie. Try and be done. You could tell like, oh, this is one shot. They have like a a CGI tree move over pan in front of the thing. Even though to signify that, oh, you know, it's not really one shot, but it's shot like that. It's so unique and it's put in a war movie. You could have done it with something else. You could have been like, what is it, Michael Keaton's Birdman? Yeah, that was the other Uh, thing
0: that was coming to mind about the last major one shot movie like that.
1: Yeah, this takes it to an extreme with explosions, gunfire, and really haunting, tense moments. It has to be, for me, 1917.
0: I mean, I, I think that's a great pick. And to be honest, I'm going to go ahead and say that I have been completely influenced by you. And my <laughs> yes. pick for this will also be 1917. I think, like you said, it just, it's, I think it's going to be the best overall movie. Um, and just, I like again man like literally any of these movies in this category could win and I wouldn't be mad which it's just crazy but I I definitely think 1917 is gonna take it
1: yeah it, it's so tough because Jojo Rabbit um Jojo Rabbit hit me in the heart it made me laugh it made me cry it got me through a lot of emotions Ford versus Ferrari made me feel like a kid again because of the the kind of nostalgia and the my love of the Ford GT so that was what the flavor was at and even like once upon a time in hollywood was hilarious and a great way to see someone like brad pitt and leo feed off each other the story <laughs> and the ending the way it, it kind of like lands and <laughs> in, in their laps a great story but 1970 did everything though all the three of those movies did and there's there's a little bit of comedy in 1917. It's situational comedy. It's in the beginning. So, uh it hits on all those points for me. I I just don't I can't say anything bad about this movie. I can't see a movie that is better than this.
0: Yeah, and I was just thinking I think if we had taken these movies individually and just put them 2 years ago, just put it on its own let it compete with the other movies back then i think any one of these movies would have won if it didn't have to compete with the rest of them uh and again netflix has two of these nominations it's got the irishman and uh marriage story so i think that's saying a lot about the kind of content that netflix has been putting out uh especially for award season but i mean i'm really curious i don't know man like i've said it on the on the podcast before like i don't really fully buy into the golden globes and the oscars i think it's just ways that studios make money off of the actor's talent in other ways like they they get paid for their for the movies and the performance there and then they get it's a hollywood circle jerk yes it really is but i am i am genuinely curious to see which one of them takes this category um just with all the competition that it has
1: yeah, and I have to say, if it's not 1917, it ends up being Parasite. I'm still okay with that, and that would actually be a huge accomplishment for, um, like, still for Netflix, you know, or not for Netflix. Parasite is the international one. Oh, yes. Let's just give it all to Netflix. No, if if Netflix wins <laughs> with The Irishman or Little woman or Marriage Story, I think that's a huge feat. But Parasite winning, we've seen international movies win um in other categories did roma won best picture
0: no not no no not, i'm not thinking about the golden globes at one.
1: yeah yeah when, but it, it's one of those things that I, I i you seeing the diversity that we've seen this year as far as movies i think this is a great time for cinema and even though i you don't agree with the oscars and golden globes I kind of agree with you that it's not like the greatest things, but it's it's fun to look back. For me, it's fun because it gets us to look back at what we saw. Speaking of what we have seen, uh, I want to ask you, what are you watching, Chris? Uh, so I'm watching, so I got connected with a Netflix cana- account. So I am watching, I wanted to watch The Witcher because my parents, I went over to visit my parents And uh, they had The Witcher on, and I was like, this is the video games, the books, it's based off the books, mostly. Um, And I was kind of, I was watching it, you know, it wasn't the first episode, it was like the fourth episode, and I I wanted to watch it, and after seeing this episode, I was like, I really want to watch it now, so I'm going to start it. But what came on, the suggested for me was Woo Assassins, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like cheesy television, like... Avatar, Chi, kind of like maybe a little bit of a uh, of um that Jackie Chan animated series when it's like with his uncle or whatever like that. One more thing, it, it it's a weird culmination of like Chinese uh, American uh, West Coast fusion, and I don't know if I'm going to continue watching it because it's it's kind of bizarre. Yeah, it's it's like um it's like American series television meeting chinese movies which in their own like weird niche markets is really weird. Like you know chinese movies can be very bizarre just like tv series can also be weird. So and i'm talking like sci-fi weird. Like not like not like oh you know it's fargo. No like Battlestar Galactica and the bad uh, the badlands enter the badlands whatever it is. Yeah just kind of kind of kind of odd so yeah john what are you watching look i don't even like admitting this i'm
0: not i'm not a fan of this director but enough people at work have been pressuring me to watch this movie and i i'm like 45 minutes into it and i i'm watching six underground um it's michael bay and mm-hmm. like literally in the first I don't know, five minutes. Like, I was overwhelmed by Bay. This, it's the most Michael Bay that I've ever seen Michael Bay get. And I'm just, I can only handle it in like 15, 20 minute chunks. I'm tired. Wow. I'm just, there's so many like quick cuts, so many unnecessary explosions. The color's all weird. There's random like flashes of light coming in out of nowhere. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is just being basically being Deadpool in it. Um, there's a bunch of like unnecessary blood in slow motion. And it's like, I'm going to finish it because I'm committed at this point, but I, I'm sorry, man. I feel sounds, like I've disappointed you. It doesn't sound like you're committed enough. I <laughs> I don't want to get any more committed to this.
1: No, oh, man. Now oh, that sounds, that sounds rough, but there's, you know, there's other stuff on uh, Netflix. You, Maybe uh are you planning to watch Marriage Story at some point? I would like to, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm going to have I'm going to need a palate cleanser after this
0: after this movie.
1: Yeah, and then and you're married, so you might watch this movie and get more depressed after watching Six Underground. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. It's a it's a it's a sad story from the preview I watched on Netflix. I was like, "Oh my god." Like I feel like this movie's going to make me cry. And no. as, a, as a child of two divorced parents, like I'm like, damn, divorces, it's rough.
0: It is rough. Yeah, yeah. well, maybe, next, maybe by next week I'll have seen it and we can talk about it then.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Um, on that depressing note, uh, thank you for listening to the Summit Up podcast. And uh, we'll see you next week. That was a great segue out. Bye, guys. <laughs> There's the happiness. Bye.